All right, we're live. How's it going, JD? Going good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So, um, for everybody listening, this is going to be the second, um, second round of us doing a recap on Praxis on a Praxis module. This this month, we'll be doing review on module two, uh, building a second brain, which is completely new. So, I think I'm kind of excited about this because we're the first ones really to formally i guess give our two cents on on the module so um i don't want why don't you start us off jd what exactly did you like what is your what was your expectation of of module two after we had that explanation before we started like what did you what did you expect about it after the explanation we had before we did it hmm I also I didn't really expect much because I didn't really like understand what they meant. Yeah, it was I mean, like so new. They kind of like like uh, rust into. It. I remember they had us do like some kind of exercise where they're like, "Oh, what do you think second like a billion second brain is?" And like, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of difficult. I'm trying to recall that. You know, I should pull up the um, the outlines right here. Um. I do remember, though, I was kind of like, well, this sounds, sounds like an interesting idea. But at the same time, I was just super excited in general because I was like, oh, this is awesome. We get to do a completely new module. We're the first ones. So that's mainly the only thing I was thinking about, to be honest. Hmm. Um, let's see here. So it shows, like, just kind of going to recapture it. I mean, it was pretty much the same thing every month or every week of the module. You know, with the exception of the last week, we, um, we had to do an interview each week on one of the four main business roles. So marketing operations, uh, customer service, and sales. Um, there was no particular order we had to do them in. We just had to find somebody to interview, then summarize our interview with them in a blog post. And then we had to write what it is, give an explanation of that. Um, of that role and then we also had to lay out a roadmap on how to be successful for it what did you find um of you know because every week was basically the same what did you find was the hardest part for you um in those in each week like each week what was the hardest thing okay so week one the hardest thing was probably um the realization that i probably should have stayed within the Praxis network because I was trying to feel special and reach out to um, people like on Twitter and Reddit or like LinkedIn or whatever. But I didn't exactly know or have to like, it was just like a, you know, like cold messaging them essentially. And it didn't work out too well. And like three days in, I'd get like one or two responses. And I was like, oh no, Shayden, you messed up. <laughs> Because clearly not everyone abides by this whole 24-hour response rule that Praxis has uh, bestowed upon us. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, it seemed, had that issue at the beginning. I was, able, I was lucky because I started out with, um, I was actually a couple days late getting into it because I had just gotten back from Labor Day. And I got lucky. I sent two messages, or one message to one of my buddies, and he, he didn't quite respond within 24 hours. But... It was like just after that, and he's the CMO of a, com of a company because I wanted to start with marketing, <clears throat> and he did respond pretty quickly and said, "Yeah, we can do that." But in the meantime, like between him responding 
and me setting appointments. I had asked another guy. I had asked my boss, do you know anybody in this? He said, oh, here's another guy you can talk to. So I had emailed him, and he had gotten back to me as well. So I ended up doing two interviews <laughs> the first month, the first week. But right. it turned out pretty well because the second interview, he didn't want me to record it. So I just took notes on it and then made a summary. But um, I guess I kind of had a, like an advantage over some people because I've already been in the professional world and networking a ton with those kinds of people. So I had a lot of friends basically in, in every role and they're like, oh yeah, sure, we could do that. So, because um, for marketing, I did that with those two people that I had known. Then for operations, I interviewed somebody else I knew. He was one of the first connections I had. He also tried to convince me to run for city council. <laughs> um, I almost did, but I just decided against it. So then the other one, let's see, sales. I also interviewed one of my past coworkers. And then for customer service, I interviewed somebody from Praxis, Praxis Network, because I really didn't, didn't have anybody in mind. I mean, I'm sure I could have found somebody, but I think it was really good. I ended up joining, interviewing uh, Joy Wickham. He was really, really good to talk to. I don't know who else interviewed him, but um, something I remember somebody mentioning was that they kind of thought the blogging was redundant because they're like, all three blog posts to them, to this specific person, I won't mention the name, they said it seemed redundant and like, why don't we just write one blog post? What did you think about that? I'm not sure I understand. Like, I don't see how it's redundant. I mean, like, I use the same titles over and over again, and I just, like, swapped out the the role. So I guess you can see, see how that's redundant. But, the but they, can they, they thought that they were redundant within the three, like, within each week. They thought that, you know, having a description and a roadmap and a summary of the interview – like they thought those were all kind of so similar that why don't we just have one? You know, oh. this, this person said, Oh, this seems like I'm in college again. It seems like I'm just writing assignments for college. And she didn't like that. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Hold on. Let me think on that. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. I would agree with that. Like you could probably, you could put it into one or you could like break it into three. See, I guess to me, I didn't have any problems with it. I mean, I just, I struggled with having enough time because I was super busy with traveling, but I didn't have any problem with it because it was to me a good opportunity to formalize each thing. Okay. So like defining what is it? Like, why is it not only what is it, but why is it and why is it important? And then also going and then saying, okay, I know, you know I can tell you, here's the main tips you need to be successful in it. And um, regarding that, I actually thought it was interesting that most of my roadmap to success in those roles ended with me giving like super general advice because I was like, well, these are basic things that you need in, no matter what you are in. There are some things that I was really specific for, but I felt that every tip I gave could have been I could have written the same exact blog post and just changed out the words for all four roles. Yeah, I see that. I kind of did that, but like with communication, like communication was a skill that I put in all of them because it, okay. it seems pretty universal. Um, 
Yeah, they, they were pretty similar, I guess. I guess I didn't realize that. It, it really depends, I feel like, on the who you interviewed. Because, like, everybody I interviewed kept saying that some of the most important thing you can have in any role. And I always ask, uh, I asked an extra question at the end of it. I always ask, what's your most uh, valuable piece of advice to give to young people? I always ask them that. And they almost unanimously said very similar things, which was, the ability to communicate with people like go out and learn how to talk to people and that was that was every role you know so i thought that was interesting to to see that you know how can you accomplish that because a lot of young people i mean whether you're homeschooled or not you know if you're homeschooled you might have um depending like for me i grew up working in my dad's business so i talked to customers but like even then i still wasn't that good at it like i wasn't as afraid of it but I still wasn't that good at it. It wasn't until I sold insurance and I had to talk to people who are like way older than me and who you know, I felt knew more than me, but yet I still had to go to their house and interview them or talk to them and then give them advice. So I don't know how you felt about that, but to me, like that's the, the reason I got that um, skill. And then, you know, they, the people make the argument, oh, public schoolers can only talk to, or they're, they're really sociable because they have all these friends around. But I also see that that's not necessarily true. They can talk to people their age, but they don't know how to talk to people older than them. Yeah, that's true. I think that's not true always. with me. Yeah, that's true with me. But I also went to like a coding boot camp. And I, so I basically, I basically lived with people that were like, like between like, 20 and like 30 so i i got along with them so i so i don't know how i managed but it worked out yeah i think it comes down to um it's really not it doesn't come down to the school it comes down to who your parents are and what your life experiences are because like i know people who are homeschoolers who are absolutely terrible at being socially um I don't know. They're just really awkward socially. I don't know how to say the other way, the other way of it. And so, I mean, to me, it comes down to like challenge yourself. Like if you don't have those skills, first of all, you have to ask yourself, do I have the skills? And you have to be honest. But if you don't have the skills, like how are you going to accomplish that? How are you going to gain them? And to me, like, obviously I'm partial to the idea of having a sales job because that's what helped me to do it. But is there any other way? Like, do you think there's any other way a person can, develop people skills if it's not a sales job so this is actually something that i've been asking myself like this entire time because i was like i think i like told praxis and like one of the questionnaires like yeah i got i got communication skills sure but now i'm like oh my god do i (laughs) so that's why i kind of did that whole thing where i was going to make a talkie each week but i kind of got i kind of stopped it because now I'm also doing this like a uh, daily uh, video challenge kind of thing, but like uh, where it has to be like at least a minute uh, on top of the, the daily blogging challenge that we're doing right now. Um, okay. But really, I'm just trying to like, figure out how I like like find people like the best way. That wouldn't that wouldn't be like super weird for me, but would still benefit me if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of one thing because I know that one of the interviews I conducted, the guy said he was talking about his son who's extremely successful. Um, he works for a Fortune 500 company as 
I believe as one of the managers, kind of like in the sales side of things. And he said that he believes that his son, I think his name is Jacob, his son got good at doing that because during college, he was obviously super, um, super observant, but he worked a lot of restaurant jobs. So like he, he would pay attention to the conversations they were having. And then he would also learn how to talk to everybody because I guess, I guess the town he was in had a lot of uh, higher wealth people coming into that restaurant. So he got good at it that way. So like, that's a way that's not really sales. I mean, sort of like, obviously my managers, when I worked at a restaurant told me to upsell items, but it's not like you get rewarded specifically for that. I mean, sort of, I guess you get a higher tip, but you know, you don't get a commission on it or anything. So I don't know. I guess it all comes down to the fact that you have to practice to get better at something, you know? Yeah. So with me, I didn't, so I, I was like actually like doing like tons of research on this like whole like communication thing and like uh, my personality type and like social anxiety and that kind of stuff. Cause uh, that stuff kind of scared me for a long time. And it boils down to, it kind of sounds weird. I don't know how to, how to say it, but while when I was like younger and like, let's say like middle school, I would kind of like look at everyone and be like, Oh my God, like, um, these people are boring <laughs> and I don't really like these people, but not like in like a rule, like a, like a super rude way. Just like, I, I kind of wanted to have like higher level conversations and they were all so like goofing off and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't, I just not talk. Like I, I would talk to them enough to like survive like academically, but I would not go over that. And that kind of like repeated like, uh, you know, elementary, um, high school and I was like I was telling myself oh you know once you get out of high school and get into college or whatever then you'll start talking to people because you can't do it during because that's that's like super weird like if like the quiet kid in your class just became like a social butterfly so that that, that idea also held me back so yeah yeah I see I, I understand that it's harder for me to relate to that I mean I do relate to the idea that it seems like a lot of people who are around our age have pretty low level conversation but I just think that's part of our personalities. You know, obviously we're in practice because we're both like-minded, right? And we just, we have like a deeper, we feel like there's something more, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, but I, what I do think is interesting is I'll still have those conversations because while I'm having those conversations, you know, I can have a conversation without thinking about it. But what I can think about um, to have those conversations is what is going on in their mind? Like, um, why do they have these lower level conversations? Is it because they don't care? Is it because nobody's ever interested them? And that's not always the case because there's some times where these, they will have higher level conversations about certain topics. Yeah. But like for, I think for you and I, it's the same thing. Like any topic we want to talk about it at a high level, even if we know nothing, like we'll ask hard questions. Like, so what is the purpose of this? Like, why are people attracted to this? You know, why, why, why? Kind of like a four year old, you know, but um so why don't we do this uh what is what is one piece of advice that you would give to anybody starting this building second brain course because i know there's there's the next module is right behind this i can see all their posts in the slack channel um what's the biggest piece of advice you would give to them um definitely like consume like definitely listen to 
everything that Tiago says, like read everything, do everything. But most importantly, you can like build a second brain, but if you don't maintain it, it's, it's not going to work out. <laughs> I know in like, I think the last part here, or yeah, the last part, he makes you make that, that foldable thing. And you kind of like write down uh, how you're going to maintain your second brain, like uh, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever. And I think that's super important because I know like my stuff will like get messy. Like I'm, I think I have like 14 things in my, my, sec my second brain inbox right now. Before it was at 35, so I'm doing better. But yeah, you just have to like, notice when something's messy and fix it routinely. See, for me, that's, that's one of the issues I have was like, I'm really bad and I'm trying to get better at this, but really bad at having that set structure of like, Hey, like at the end of the day, I'm going to organize it all because it's like, I just work up into the point where I'm like, Oh crap, I really have to go to bed now because I need sleep. And then I just don't do it. So, um, I feel you though. I, cause, cause that, it was really hard. I'm not going to lie. It was really hard for me to comprehend the implementation of this course because like, I, I loved the idea, especially when I heard the opening, um, the opening seminar that he gave us like an hour long, I think, but the opening idea of it, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like I'm really on board with this. But then when we started using Evernote, I was like, Oh boy, this is this terrible. Like I don't know how to use it because I had just gone through and we did para, you know, I had that all taken. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like I can find everything super easily. And it wasn't until week three or week two or week three, like towards the end of week two that, um, somebody pointed out it's or in one of his, in one of the videos, he said that it's supposed to be on the breach, uh, on the brink of chaos so that like, there's all these notes and they're kind of like, they're in an area but they're not super specific so that your brain can like scan everything and then make connections that you wouldn't do with your prefrontal cortex. You would do it with your subconscious. And that's when I was like, Oh, finally I get it. I was like, cause I was so, um, I guess I felt like I wasn't accomplishing the goal because it was like so messy. But then when I said that, it makes sense. You know, it's still hard for me right now to, to do the, to do the note taking, like I'll take a lot of notes, but, or I'll save a lot of websites, but then going back and summarizing them into notes, I just don't make time for it. I, I, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I put in my, like my photo, like I'll make time for it. And then I was like, uh, so I try to like save less things. Cause I remember like when I first found the app pocket, which is like that, that uh, like offline saving app where you can like save websites or articles or whatever i went to save everything and i literally never opened it to read anything <laughs> so but how long how long did you save stuff be before you like noticed that like did you go for like a couple months and not look back at all or what how did that work i yeah i um i definitely did it for month like months and then i'd like open the app and be like i'd look at it and I'd be like oh my god shit daniel like we can't do this <laughs> we gotta stop what i re like i think for me, I do have a habit now more than I did it before because I used to take notes. Before this whole building second brain, I would take a decent number of notes in my phone, but normally 
it would be for some like some ideas I'd have. I always had a running list of movies I wanted to see because I really like films. Um, and I would like cross them off as I would go to the theaters because every time I go to the theaters, I'd write it down as I saw the, the previews, right? I'd see the trailers, I'd write one down, and then I would be like, oh, I just saw that one, take it off. But I never really took notes on everything. So now I'm getting the habit of taking notes on everything. And I have noticed a slow, like, and it's getting faster and faster, the, the frequency of me checking back with those notes. Um, the problem is whenever I'm comes to my phone, I always use my Apple notes. And then on my computer, I typically use Evernote. So like I have to search between two things. It's not too bad because I can just search in two different, um, two different places. And I suppose I could use search on my computer because I think it would search through the apps. I'm not sure. But um, I don't know. I guess for me, my piece of advice to people would be going into this. Try your best to master what he's teaching because even though it might seem superfluous, or like unnecessary it really will help you because having a deep understanding of it even if you don't decide to really make it part of your routine is really going to help you because i think that there's so many valuable things in there go through try to understand it deeply and then take out what you think are the three most important things for you to do also check out like the forums because there's some like interesting nuggets in there too oh on his on his uh 4j labs yeah from like uh, other people that have taken his class and they'll, they'll like make a bunch of like comments ask questions and like show their their foldable thing so i thought that was interesting too yeah i didn't i didn't check out much of that that's one of the things i'm guilty of is i, I suck at consuming content like i listened to a podcast for the first time today in like a couple weeks like i don't listen to podcasts anymore i'm just so worried about like so focused on building and making stuff um but I know that, especially with this month, we have to consume a bit more content in order to have more ideas and continue to create. But uh, you had mentioned the forums, and what was the other thing you said just now? Oh, the foldable. The foldable oh, thing. yeah, foldable thing. Um, that was something I didn't actually do, the foldable version. I did, the, I did a Google, uh, Google Slides version of it. So, like, obviously... I did that for two reasons. One, I lose paper like crazy. Like I take so many notes on paper, I used to at least, and that's gone. I can never find it ever. Um, so I did that for that reason. But the other problem I face now is that I have to make time to go and open it because what I should do is maybe put it on my desktop so I can see it frequently. Like, oh yeah, I should update that, you know, go check it out. But um, I don't know. I, I didn't really understand the idea of that whole canvas thing i didn't really get it yeah it's it's weird i think it's more like of a i guess it's like just seeing it in like a physical uh entity it's kind of like journaling i guess but i didn't really get it either i did mine digitally as 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 well okay um what so overall what did you think uh, what's the most valuable thing that you took away from it that you actually do on a regular basis from the whole course? I, I do take a lot of notes, but I don't really, I, I also struggle to make time to go back and do the whole uh, progressive summarization thing, which is what I said I do in my foldable. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I do like note taking. I think it's, I think that's fun. 
and progressive summarization is fun too. Um, can you repeat the question? No, it was, what did you think was the most um, valuable, like the things that you took away from it that you actually use? So like, what's oh, valuable oh. to you? So I, I tweet and then like I'll, I'll make a Twitter thread and then I'll turn it into a blog post or a video. I've been doing that recently. I don't know if you saw it, but that was, that was uh, interesting. I, the thing is like, I, I also don't like do it with the intention of making it to a blog post. I just kind of like do it without thinking. Then, then I'm like, oh, I need to make a blog post today. And then I'll, then I'll go look at it. And I'm like, all right, all right, let's work with this. Yeah, actually, that was one thing. So it kind of got, it was, uh, it was the fourth week. So I was finishing up content. And he had mentioned that what he called tweet storms. Is that what he called it? Yeah. And I actually tried that once because I had a whole bunch of ideas come to me while I was doing it. So like I just made it, like piled a whole bunch of tweets out. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. And then the next day I was like, okay, from now on, this is going to be my way of slowing down throughout the day, which I still do it sometimes. But um, what happened was I ended up getting out of the habit because that last weekend I went on that pilgrimage. Like I basically came, went away from social media for pretty much entirely for that weekend besides Snapchat. And um, I kind of got away from it. So I'm trying to get back up into it this week. Now I'm going to back at it. But I think that's fun because it's, there's this idea that I have and I'm, you know, thinking about it a bunch of times now is, sharing everything every idea you have sharing it and i know that a lot of people are like oh boy like you can't do that because if you do that people are going to steal your ideas but i'm thinking you know like you know i mean maybe it sounds too idea idea uh idealistic that if there's a good idea are you going to implement all of your good ideas i know personally i can't implement them all i'll, I'll implement many more than most people will but what's the harm in, if it's a good idea and if it can help people, why not share it so that somebody who's actually looking will possibly take it and run with it? Like, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting idea to kind of, and I maybe, it kind of sounds weird to me because I'm, you know, I have my religious background. It's like, but the idea that maybe like everybody can work together to create a better society because of that. Like if everybody was willing to share their notes, like share their ideas, what would happen yeah exactly i always had that thought like this this like global knowledge base but anyways i i definitely agree with that like the whole like sharing your ideas thing and uh i used to kind of be like obsessed with the that maker move maker movement thing um but i think there's like this hashtag called like like it's it's called like product idea or something like that and a bunch of like uh like developers, coders, uh, entrepreneurial minded people will like tweet out like their product ideas and then like people are like respond and like uh, on Twitter and they'll like tag, they'll tag them if it already exists or be like, oh, I'm working, or someone will come in, and, oh, I'm working on this, check it out. And I think that's so cool. And I, I also don't get people that are like secret protective of their ideas. Like, I don't care if you, if you take my idea and you make it, I do not care. If you can do it better than me, then you deserve it. Yeah. I think that that's something like I've, when I think about this idea, I struggle with it because it's like, I spent time in, I guess you could say an old industry, you know, insurance is pretty old, like the idea of it. And most of the people there 
in that industry are older. So I was like, well, you know, I had this mindset of, you know, we've got to keep data safe and all this stuff like that. But at the same time, like we're at a point where everything is so shared. It's like, why bother with it? Like, why not change the mindset? Everything's, everything's changing already. Like that entire old mindset is going away. So why don't we, you know, talk to people about this and have them, have them do more of it. Um, yeah. I like privacy, but I also like openness. So I have to like balance the two. It's, I think it's for weird. me, something that's been helpful, and I just noticed this actually today, I thought about this, was that about four, five, four or five months ago is when I started putting a lot of stuff on Snapchat. Like I just blast Snapchat because it's so easy to make content on there. Like it's raw, nobody cares, and it's fast. Because that's for me is like I don't have time to sit and make a perfect Instagram post. Like that requires taking a nice picture and getting the right hashtags and a nice caption, all like that. So what's been helpful I've noticed is that before every time I'd see my friends, I'd always want to talk about oh the newest thing that's happening to me. Because part of it's my arrogance, but it's just part of it's our our our, our uh, desire to share what's new with us, right? But because I've done that on Snapchat, like it's happened enough times where I've been like telling them something and they're like, oh yeah, I saw your story. And I was like, oh, whoops. So what it's done though is it's made me tell people less things. Like instead of just telling them, I just put it on Snapchat. So that more, I have more energy that I focus on um, the actual conversations, you know, and enjoying the company of the people and asking more about them rather than telling about me. So I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but yeah. Uh, what um, did you think about the the video showcasing of like the second brain, like where we had to make oh, those videos? Honestly, I sucked at it, so I don't really know what to say. Um, yeah, it's not my strong point. Making nice looking videos that are really straight to the point is not my thing. Doing what we're doing right now, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at just making stuff up on the spot and talking my way through stuff when we have to make a nice to the point video, it kind of stresses me out because it's like, okay, I got to get up. I got to get an idea and like a really exact list of things to do because we're trying to fit this into a minute and a half or whatever it was, three minutes. Yeah. And every time I tried that, I ended up going like way over and it was also like a whole bunch of stuttering. Cause I was like, okay, what's the next thing rather than just letting my ideas come out. Um, I do think it's important though, because like the whole practice ideas prove that you can do something. Like it's important, but I also think that people will understand when they see my videos because they're gonna know. Like if they if they do any research on me, they're gonna see these podcasts. They're gonna see stuff and they're gonna be like, oh, he's really good at talking to people. This whole presentation thing and creating like really nice, um, straight to the point video presentations on how to use a program, definitely not his thing. But that's okay because that's not what I'm trying to go for. Yeah, I don't care for that. So, um. I'm what actually, what, go ahead. Uh, I'm actually trying to get better at video, so because like I don't know, I instead of I know like Gary V has this whole thing where like you're supposed to like get better at what you're already good at instead of like getting better at what you're like not so good at. But I I see like both sides of this argument, but I do, I do want to get better at video. Um, I don't really get this whole purpose of like why we made these videos, like like in relation to like where we're supposed to put them because on on like the crash thing you can only like upload one proof and so i think that was supposed to go into like the case study which is where i put it 
but they didn't make that clear. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because they didn't they didn't really mention that you should put that in there. And that's what I was wondering when they said do the case study. At first, I thought it was going to be an entire like video on Evernote because that's what we were doing every week. And I was like, oh, it's a blog, which made me relaxed. I was like, wow, this is great. Um, but I was thinking, you know, do they want a bunch of screenshots? Do they want a bunch of videos in this blog post? And I was like to myself, I said, you know, they might want that, but I think it'd be better off for me personally just to kind of go through and exhibit some knowledge without the screenshots. So that's what I did. Speaking of the case study, um, how did you do with it and what did you think? I never had a chance to read yours. Uh, well, first off, I didn't really understand what a case study was, and I did not look up what a case study was, which I probably should have. But of all the things I did not look up, that was actually one of them that I did look up. <laughs> yeah, because I saw something like, because like Google like tracks like uh, what you what you like do, I guess. Oh, well, obviously, and I was looking in Google News, and it said something about a case study. I was like, oh, I should have googled that. Anyways, but. I just kind of like went through what we did this week and um, just like bang out like a bunch of paragraphs in like re relationship to, to like uh, building a second brain, and, like para and like progressive summarization, kind of like basically explained it. And then I, then I said like how it could be used and like how it could be useful to like um, a, a business partner. And, and then I like linked all my stuff. And that's basically what I did. What I think, um, so what I did was I tried to remember that they said, remember it's for a hiring manager. And I, so what I did was I tried to write it in a way that was beneficial for everybody reading. Like it was like a te me teaching everybody else, like not just the hiring manager, but like anybody who might read it, this valuable piece of information. And at first I had the, like, I kind of structured it. I, I edited it later. I, I edited it later I can't talk today and at first it was mainly like okay this is kind of a portrayal of something I did like I kind of took ownership of it even though it's Tiago's thing and then Lolita pointed out to me she's like you know you got to really put something in italicis here and then link to fortelabs.co because it's not your thing like it's it's something you learn even though you decided to do it you also learned it from him so I linked that in there but I still think I did a decent job of just teaching people what, what the brain was, what the second brain is. So that even the second, the, the, the hiring manager is probably going to be like, what the heck? Like, this is totally new. Like, what's this idea? And he might like it so much that he might want me to come there just to implement it, you know, in their, in their team. So I actually kind of enjoyed doing it. I was kind of stressed out to do it. I ended up having to submit it late because I was on pilgrimage and I couldn't quite finish it. Um, so, but I talked to Lolita about that and everything, so it was chill. But yeah, speaking of that, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. So, you made me think of something like, um, I know Wim Hof has like a bunch of other people that teach like what he uh, teaches. So I'm just wondering if like, oh, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Wim Hof is like this this guy that basically mastered like the cold through through like uh this his his breathing technique so he can like sit on ice for like extended periods of time and just like basically meditate and just breathe and like be fine like he can go in like super cold water and be fine he like he hiked uh mount everest shirtless uh with like a bunch of people 
Wow. Yeah, That's he's pretty cool. And he has he has like a like an army of like teachers that teach like his craft. So I'm just wondering if Tiago like I know he has his like class, but does does he have people that are like essentially certified in, in like his craft to teach other people like other businesses or is that like like next on the ladder or, or the, the roadmap? Yeah, that would make sense. You know, that's maybe something we can pitch him. I mean, to me, it's not something that I would I would most likely adapt it to what like my perspective of it because I think I vary in opinion from Tiago a little bit in the implementation of it and some of the things like. And obviously, I also he's been talking about it for many years, so he has a deeper understanding of it than I do. But that'd be something interesting to uh, to contact him about. Kind of like kind of like Dan last night, you know, how he was talking about just his doing things for free led to all these paid positions, and like now he's teaching. I don't know if this is his first month teaching the writing course. I don't think it is. It, it seems like it's pretty new though, because I know that they don't have updated videos of Isaac Mohaus because it's like right now Isaac says it's it's his month you know what I'm saying so I don't know how new he is I should ask Dan that but the point is like Dan is essentially an extension of Isaac Morehouse now kind of the same thing you're talking about with um, Ben Hoff so mm -hmm. um let's, let's kind of close this out by saying you know what was um now so we asked what was your perception of it and you said you didn't really have much much expectation because you weren't sure yeah. what it was yeah so what is your perception of it now that you've done it um well the idea of it i definitely love um like or at least like the level that tiago is at or uh yeah like uh, how he can like pull up um like website designs like on the spot when asked and like come up with something for uh, people i like that um i like the idea of being able to just do things like faster than other people i like like competitive advantages but like right now where i'm at now i don't think i'm really like optimizing my uh building a second brain on performance to like the, the best of my ability i need to get on that but i really like uh, uh building a second brain because if it's, it feels like a superpower in a way like just something that i can like tap into yeah it is it is true because like i mean that's kind of the what i tried to portray in my case study was we have this technology and most of the time people are like getting all stressed out because this technology is constantly intruding into their lives. So I think that if you couple building a second brain, the idea with the idea of minimalism, I think you, you know, you, I think you wrote yeah. about minimalism, didn't you? Yeah, um, no. I feel like if you couple those together, maybe in addition with a couple other ideas, kind of like, um, I don't know exactly, but, a couple of those things together could really make you extremely, extremely capable of getting things done and making the technology work for you rather than it intruding into your life. Yeah. Really, it's like your brain is kind of based on minimalism in a way, but it's also it's true. like, it's, it's also somewhat chaotic, but it's like the good, it's like the good chaotic, I guess you could say. But I think, so I think what's, what's minimalist about it is the fact that you're trying to get as much of the things that are in like on your mind, out of your mind. So you can focus on one thing actually in your mind at a time. Where instead of just like getting rid of everything and forgetting about it, you get rid of everything 
onto something else because at some point in the future you will be looking for that information and then you're like oh yeah i probably have a note on that somewhere so you go look it up um one thing that i kind of my feeling and i this might be an unpopular opinion especially with the, the advisors but i feel like building a second brain would be something that would be um should be implemented on the course over the course of the six month boot camp instead of a single month because i think that if you started out like in pre-program if they had to use para and then like throughout the course they had a little bit more information maybe a little bit more intense in the first first part of it but just work it into all the other modules then they could feel more accomplishment about the whole project at the end of the six months because like after the end of one month you've only consumed so much content like you've only consumed like you can't consume a lot but you still cannot consume as much in one month most likely than you can in six months okay so that's what my thought was and i had somebody else in the program i won't mention because i don't know if they wanted to mention had the same opinion was that i feel like it's kind of a more it's valuable but it's also not something that they think an entire module should be dedicated to um but as far as valuable things i really like project management or just sorry just in time project management i think that is interesting and the idea of breaking up your time into small small bits to do the things because um it was just congruent with all the things i've read in the past about your brain can only really focus for at most two hours like hour and a half hour hour and a half is best so if you break it up with breaks in between you can focus more so then the next question that i had was because i remember tiago mentioning the traditional work block in that one slide i, I saved a screenshot of that where you get ready you get your environment set and then you like get up to your optimal work um performance right mm -hmm. so then i was thinking like the only problem with doing a little bit at a time is do you have to set up your perfect environment every time so how can you go so really quickly back and forth between those high and low points does that make sense yeah so um, it kind of just presented another problem in my mind. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I know, I know what you're saying, but I don't really experience that problem. <laughs> you can switch gears pretty easily. Uh, I like if once I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> really. I think the I think the hard part for me is now that I'm even more receptive to the ideas coming in. Um. I got to a point where during any project, during any given task, I have so many ideas come that it ends up adding 10 to 20 minutes to, so like if I'm gonna do a task for an hour, 10 to 20 minutes of that is gonna be me going over to my Google Doc to write down some ideas. And that's, I mean, that's a good problem because I have these ideas, but at the same time, it's like, should I be, I know this is something I didn't really think about until just now, because you talked about this what ideas are actually important kind of like the para system like if this is actually important then write it down but if it's not important don't write it down or put it somewhere where it really doesn't matter you know what i mean because okay. like today i swear this morning i tried to i was trying to upload my podcast from yesterday and that's a 10 after i had everything was uploaded i just had to type in the descriptions and the tags and everything and then post it on my social media and that should take like 20 minutes at most. It took me like an hour almost because I kept having blog post ideas 
that I wanted to write down <laughs> because I started a list of blog post ideas last night and they just kept flowing. I was like, oh crap, <laughs> boom. So yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of issues that that, it, that it, like good issues it creates. I think, but yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty valuable. I try to combine like uh, building a second brain and then like I'll use like to do to doist. I'm still trying to like master to do this to do this. I didn't really do like the whole pair system with it yet and kind of into it but i also and then like that and like time blocking that it's like it's like the the trio <laughs> it's perfect um yeah one thing um i'd like to do a podcast with you about this and this is kind of because of that whole like text message reminder thing you have set up for me mm-hmm. i had this idea today um creating i don't maybe it's already a thing i should research it i always have ideas and assume that nobody else has them um have creating a community where people who have the same goal, like there's certain goals in life that certain people have, like for example, like oh, lifting weights every day, like they want to lift weights every day. So creating a community where people can be held accountable by other humans and not a robot, not a reminder on your computer, like a real person that's going to take two minutes of their day to make sure you did that. I think they do have something like that. Like, especially on iPhone, there's this, this is app. I think. Um, uh, oh my God! What's his name? I know this. Ryan Holiday, who wrote the um, the App School is the way that Stoic book. Um, he, he, I'm pretty sure he uses it, and it'll 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 like actually like the whole it'll incorporate this thing like the whole the stake in the game or skin in the game. So, like uh, you and like a group of friends will be like, oh, I'm gonna do like X every day for X amount of time. And then if one of your friends does not follow through on it, then like they pay up money. Oof. That's, that's hardcore, bro. <laughs> I don't know what the app's called, but it's on, it's on iPhone. I can probably figure it out. Uh, I recently installed this app. I, um, I don't know what it's called. Hold on, let me check real quick. Um, coach.me. And oh, I heard of that. Yeah. I'm trying to use it to like read for like 30 minutes every day. Uh, I like two days, so I can really say much about it. But there's there's definitely apps out there that incorporate what you're talking about. Yeah, see, I guess the thing was for me, I had things like um, this one called Daily Habits or Habit Reminder or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you could put all kinds of things like drink water, save money, work out, walk minutes, whatever. Like you could put anything. But the problem for me is it just became one of those, after like three days, it became background noise and it became something I said, it's not important. I'm scooting aside, you know. Um, but anyways, I think it's a topic for another for another podcast regarding sure. other things. Habits. So, um, all right. Well, I think we went a little bit over our planned time, but that's all right. I, I hope that everybody watching or listening got um, some good value about this. Like, please share with, anybody who's considering praxis or who's about to enter into module two uh of praxis building a second brain as long as it lasts who knows maybe they'll change it up in a little in a while obviously everything's changing always but hopefully this can be of value to you so all right thanks jd so much and we'll see you next time